Hey, hey, folks. Thank you again for joining me on another episode of Trost Talk here. Uh, we got a great episode in store for you. Uh, be sure to hit that subscribe button. Also, follow me on Instagram at Trost Talk. Um, but first, my buddy, Pablo2020. Hey, hey, folks. Thank you uh, for joining me. This is another episode of Trost Talk. I'm back. I am back after a couple of weeks off. Um, got in uh, to a move and ended up leaving Portland. Uh, as many of you guys know, in past episodes, you guys have heard me talk about it, um, you know, with other guests about how I was ready to leave and I wanted to I wanted to come to Dallas Um Anybody who kind of knows me personally knows I like to live in different areas, see different cultures. Um, the United States is a fucking huge-ass country, dude. And you do really have a wide variety of diversity within this country, which is kind of awesome. So I've lived in a lot of different places. I've lived now, and this will be my fifth city. Um, and so far, I love it here. Um, you know, we're out doing things where in Portland I was locked up. I, I pretty much felt like I was in a Swedish prison, you know, not American prison where you, you kind of feel like you're bogged down by, uh, just your cell and, you know, life is pretty miserable and bleak. You know, the Swedish prison, prison where you got your appliances, you're doing good things. You're maybe working out. Um, you got a great view of the street, uh, but you just can't leave that cell. So a lot of Swedish prison vibes that I was getting. Um, but I like coming out here and uh, I'm kind of doing my own thing now. Uh, my first uh, my first podcast on my own, normally I have a guest on, but uh, I just wanted to give it a go. Honestly, I was really eager to, to um, get back to recording. I just built a whole new studio here. Um, we ended up getting an extra room put up some acoustic styrofoam, um, got my walls decorated with some of the posters, the standard typical white male Muhammad Ali poster restaining over uh, Sony Liston. Um, and then I got like a Clash poster and also a Rick and Morty poster. Um, so it's all decked out. I got a nice bitchin' new table too that I record on. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm just excited. And, uh, it was kind of shitty cause it was, you know, we moved here to kind of be able to get out into the public and be able to do things, get out of our house. And as soon as we move here, Texas is hit with like a fucking freak storm. Uh, Dallas sees, we probably got like six to eight inches of snow on the ground for about four or five days. Um, which is kind of ironic too, because when we moved to Portland, it had it was the first day that it or first time that it had snowed. It snowed when we moved to Portland too, and it was the first time it had snowed in like three years. And before that, it was like the first time in like seven years uh, where it snowed and stuck. Um, so two for two in the last two cities moved freak storm. So if we move again and we come to your city, just be prepared that you're going to have a once in a hundred years snowstorm coming your way. I don't even give a fuck if you're in Florida. Um, but so we get here for me personally, it wasn't very bad other than it being pretty cold. Um, wasn't too bad actually, you know, um, 
the pipes froze within our within our uh, apartment complex, but I mean, it, it, not ours personally. Although I do think that we maybe have some leaking pipes because sometimes when I turn on the water, I can hear it like a dripping noise. It sounds like, or it sounds like someone's lightly tapping wood. Um, so I'm pretty sure we probably have a couple leaks. They're supposed to be coming around checking it, but um, I don't know if anybody knows what you know frozen and leaking pipes te- uh, sounds like do let me know um but so they should be coming around other than that we didn't have anything bad our water turned off for like i think twice uh the second time was them fixing some pipes the first time when it turned off it turned off at like end of the night you know so it we didn't really have too much of a worry about it the hard part was in the morning we were trying to get water we couldn't get any water all the sinks were off and of course per usual we uh you know the brita was not full so uh we had to like melt down some ice, like a bunch of fucking freeloaders. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was, that was probably about the worst of it. Um, tried to do a grocery run, just ransacked. Target was just absolutely ransacked. Uh, I won't lie though. I got a pretty good for there being, I mean, literally nothing, almost nothing on the shelves. Like there was like a bunch of, it was like a bunch of condiments and fucking seasonings was left. That was it. Um, and, I got to be honest, though, I was able to ransack, get a few things, you know, some protein bars, um, some fruit, because I knew I had protein powder at the house, so I could make some smoothies in case we had to. I was able to get some bread for sandwiches, which was great, Um, and all I really thought about in the process was like, man, if there was ever a zombie apocalypse, or just apocalypse in general, and we had to do food runs, I'm probably the guy that should be going, because I did, dude, pat myself on the back, I like did pretty fucking good. I got the essentials, I got protein. Uh, got a little bit of carbs. Um, you know, I know everybody gets so fucking uptight and has a massive opinion on carbs. People are like, oh, it's fucking, they're terrible for you. And there's people who are like, no, you need them. Um, I got carbs. Get over it. Um, so other than that, wasn't that bad. I'm just saying, if we get an apocalypse and I'm on your team, dude, send me out. I'm going to come back with some vital key shit and you probably wouldn't have thought of. And they were out of waters. What do you think I got? Boom, coconut water. Sitting right there. Cream, O coconut water. So that's all I gotta say on that, to be honest. But um, it was it was good. It was it was a good run. But other than that, it wasn't too bad. Um, you know, we we honestly we kind of just wrote it out. And then uh, funny thing is, is then it just heats up like a motherfucker. When I say heats up, like it didn't get to like it was like forty. It was like forty five, right? But it was warm enough for all this. The snow melted in like two days. So, uh, and we didn't have an ice situation, I think, because it was so far above freezing. So it didn't really have a chance to freeze over at night. Um, so there wasn't like, we didn't have the black ice issues and stuff like that. Um, so we didn't have, we don't have to worry about anything like that. Um, but back to the show, um, you know, kind of get you guys a little caught up, um, you know, one of the first things I do want to say is, so last night I did record, um, I'm not putting it out for a couple of weeks cause I got to edit it. Uh, we were kind of working out some of the kinks within my studio. So there's a lot of like dead space and shit like that. So I got to clean it up a bit and then I'll record it. That's why I wanted to put this out so I could get something out quick. Um, but, uh, I was recording with my cousin last night. He actually, uh, his starting a, a music career. He won't want to call it that. He wants to be modest about it, but he's starting a music career. He just put out an album. Um, you can follow him on any platform. That's Spotify, Apple Music, SoundCloud. 
his uh, he goes by Lunar nine four nine his area code, um, and his first word was Moon. That's how he got the word Lunar. Um, and you're gonna think I'm saying this because he's my cousin. I like his album. I think it's a good first album for somebody who he wasn't raised, uh, you know, picking up the guitar. Like he wasn't playing the guitar from third grade, like from, you know, three years old on. Like he pretty much started getting into music the last three years as far as production. He's always loved music, but his production value pretty much got into it just recently. Um, but it's a good album, man. It's a good first album. I think you guys would enjoy it. Uh, personally, my, my favorite song is Hot Mess, and um, I, 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 I personally really like that one. And then uh, Talk To Me Nice. That's probably his best one. It's a great song. Um, that's probably his most popular one. I would suggest starting with that one. It's a great, great one. He just put it on a new song called Hit Me On The Flip Phone, and he's got a music video coming out soon. So if you guys you guys ever interested, just please go check out his stuff. Um and then I got my other buddy, obviously, you know, with the intro here, I got Pablo 2020. He's got some new shit coming out. He sent me something he whipped up in 30 minutes the other day that kind of slaps, and I, I hope he puts it on his next album. Uh, Pablo 2020, Lunar 949. You guys got to check him out. If you haven't already, please get on it. I'm telling you right now, too, Pobs is, Pobs is switching up some shit, dude. He is switching up some shit. He, he's changing up his sound, even his flow, his rap style. He's doing a lot of good things. Um... I, I like his his mixtape thing mix mixtape his single that he just produced in 30 minutes that he was kind of fucking around with he sent it to me and his new flow that he has he went a little faster than normal and I really liked it um I think you guys got to check him out my boy um you know he's not paying for me this for this so uh definitely go check him out it's my honest opinion um but I want to get started you know the big weekend uh for me uh you know, I, 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 the sports world is kind of interesting, and you know, as much as much as I don't like to make my podcast about sports, because I tried to get into comedy, but I always seem to come back to fucking sports. Um, I, I guess I just more wish and had a longing to be funnier. But so for me, the big weekend, uh, there's two sports that I am really into right now. I guess MMA is American sport. I was gonna say they're not American sports, but MMA was created in America. Um, I will, I'll be honest, um, I, I love MMA, um, I've really gotten into it now in the last year and a half, where I watch every single one from the prelims on, um, and soccer, soccer, those are probably my two biggest sports, I played basketball in high school, loved it, I love the sport of basketball, I hate the, I fucking hate the NBA, man. I hate it. I absolutely hate the game. It's become so soft. These refs are attacking people like no other. Every time I try to turn on the game and I try to fucking get into it, every single time, it's like, I kid you not, a minute into the fucking thing, I'm like, this is why I stopped watching it. I see fucking terrible calls all the time that I, I am not even kidding you. And I'm not even saying this because I'm biased and I hate the NBA, but like, there's so many times, and I'm not like that person who's like, oh, the NBA is so... Well, I am that person. I am that person who says it's really soft, and it is. But I'm not that person who's like tries to argue it from a purist standpoint and be like, the game is lost, man. It's just not the same game, and like, I'm not that guy. Um, it has changed. It's changed dramatically. I think now it's more of an open gym. It's like a glorified open gym. You have the world's greatest athletes. You'll never convince me otherwise. Basketball has the best athletes in the world. Pure, pure athletes, basketball, you're going to find them. 
And it's just now you're watching the world's greatest athletes play open gym because there's no fucking defense. I get why they want the bucks because the higher the scoring, the more people watch, you get the more eyes and ears, more money. I understand it, but it's almost like, I feel like at a point, cause these guys are such great athletes where you're just like, some of your defense is just hoping and praying. It's like, it's not even like strategy at that point. It's like, you're kind of like, all right, just be around him the whole time, try not to foul him, and then hope he misses. Because these guys are all fucking incredible shooters. I mean, they're all deadly. And I don't, so I'm not a big NBA fan. The reason I'm not a big NBA fan is I think it's just these foul calls are just ridiculous. I mean, all the time, man. You, you'll see something, and I'm like, how is that a foul? And they don't, and here's the other thing is I feel like the refs don't have an accountability in the NBA because it doesn't matter. It's like they don't, they'll call a foul and the guy will be flopping and they have an anti-flopping law, but, or a rule and nothing will ever come of it. And it doesn't affect the game. It's like, what are they going to do after the game? They're going to go out they're going to look at the review and they're going to be like, oh yeah, no, I guess he was flopping. It wasn't a foul, but it doesn't do anything to the game you just played. If there's a rule, it should hinder you in the moment. If it's something that they can go back, like say the next time out, they go and look and they go, oh, it was review. All right, now the other team gets two fucking free throws. Now the other team gets two free throws and the player gets his, his foul rescinded. How about that? How about that? Because that makes flopping go away because then you can actually be penalized in the moment. If you're not being penalized and you're only – you're getting fined after the game or something, which you, you get a warning first, which is just fucking ridiculous. Just fucking ridiculous. Uh, but that just shows like how low of a handle they have on this fucking thing. And so they go in, you're not, it's just, a, it's like, what incentive are you giving these players to not flop? Because it's not affecting the outcome of the game. It's not going to matter to them. If, if say it was like game seven, they flop, they get the call and it helps them in some sort of way. Right. Well, after the game, when it comes out and they're showing that they were flopping, like, what are you going to take their title from them? No, you're not, you're not going to do that. So it, it almost makes it a, like a ridiculous counterintuitive or un, uh, non-productive rule because it's like it, it, the enforcing it doesn't actually have a deterring factor in it. Um, and that's that I guess that's just my long-winded fucking irritation with the NBAs on their fouls or flopping. Um, I, I just don't see I don't see anything about it that is redeeming um the refs are way too much the players have way too much power too it, it's ridiculous the players have way like i i get that they needed the player empowerment and i do think that the organizations need to be held accountable but now the players are like they have way too much power and they they basically run the league and at the end of the day and then you're getting these players it's like they get so fu and i will say this to any nba player if any nba player ever wanted to have a fucking have me ha, come on this show and talk, which be years from now if I ever had that ability. But I will, I would say this 100% to any NBA player. And here's the thing is like people and athletes, they don't, they're like, Oh, would you say that to my face? It's like, yeah, because I can separate the athlete from the person. Like I can not like you as an athlete and think you don't do a good job in your sport compared to what I think you with your abilities should be doing or um, what you could have done better or whatnot, because you're going to be critiqued. You're you're in a national spotlight, like just like anybody's going to critique even this podcast, right? So you're in a spotlight where people can critique you, and if they are critiquing you, you have to be able to take that. Like I can separate you, for instance, Draymond Green talking about like 
how fans will not be loyal to you. They want you to be always loyal to them. But then, like, when you try to do something to benefit you, they get upset. It's like, dude, you're their fucking player. You're on their team. Why the fuck would they celebrate you going to another team? Now, I don't believe them in going and, like, you know, ridiculing you online for years and years to come. But it's like, they can be fucking upset. That's their team. That's what sports is about. It's about being passionate about your team. And if your player, your favorite player goes, fuck this, I hate this team, I'm out of here. You're like, of course you're going to have a animosity towards them. It's ridiculous to think otherwise. And these players, they, I can separate, Draymond Green's a good, a good person, right? He's a good person. And I have no problem with Draymond Green, the person. But if I sat down with Draymond Green, we were going to talk about games. I'm going to fucking criticize him. And I'm going to criticize him and him particularly, not him particularly, but I'm going to criticize him and his play. And I'll say it to him. He's got to be able to take it in stride to be able to be like, all right, this guy's just having an opinion. Now, afterwards, I'll be able to get up, shake his hand, be like, dude, you're a great guy. Like, thanks for the interview. I may give you a hard time, but it's not personal. It's not personal at all. It's just the way it is, man. Like, you got to accept it. Um, a lot of these players, they just don't know how to handle that. And they want to be babied. And you get these athletes like that, like, they've been handed every, especially in basketball, these motherfuckers are, the, you're talking about, like, guys who generally hit the, the puberty jackpot in, like, seventh grade. So these dudes are just superior in all manner. Um, I think less than 5,000 people in the entire world have ever played the game of, been in the NBA. That's how hard it is to be in the NBA. Um, and... You know, a lot of these athletes, they've been they've been told yes for their whole life. They've never been told no. Never, never. Because they're stars. From day one, they're stars. And so they've never been told no. And I just think it's I think I think they got a lot of work to do in the in the NBA to make it back and bring it bring it back a little more to the middle ground because um I, I, I think the players are now voicing their opinions and they, they don't really know what they're talking like great example the all-star game the all-star game is a great example of this because it's like all these players are now coming out it's covid they're coming out and they're like no i, I think it's ridiculous we're playing an all-star game like how are we doing this it's clearly just all about the money for the nba it's like oh oh really oh oh really so okay so you don't want to play the all-star game because you say it's all about the money for the nba but you want to play the whole fucking season so you can get fucking paid. So you can make your money. Meanwhile, everybody else in the world, for some reason, basketball is an essential job. But the person, Sally, who cuts a fucking hair and owns a hair salon can't go fucking do shit. Okay, so you're going to sit there and complain about your organization wanting to make money. But then you're going to be like, I got to play a fucking basketball so I can get my money. What the fuck? Like... You're playing the season. There's an all-star game. There always is. There always will be. If you don't want an all-star game, don't play the fucking season then. And don't sit there. And you should be then championing that the season should be canceled. And then you don't get your fucking money. But you won't do that because you want your fucking money just like the NBA wants their money with the all-star game. So you can't sit there. It's like a pot calling the kettle black. You can't do that. It's fucking ridiculous. Anyways. Uh, that... That's that's my thought, and you know, I that's my thing on the NBA. And but for me, anyway, I I got on a long rant. I apologize. So I'm gonna circle back to the UFC, just like I thought. I'm, I do want to go over my thoughts on it. Um, I watched every single fight. Um, it was, it it was. Um, I I thought a pretty good card. 
um, you know, we'll start out with the first one. Uh, it was a heavyweight bout. Uh, Spivak beat uh, Jared Vanderera. Um, wasn't really a close fight. Spivak just very one dimensional. It it was almost like a giant Khabib in there, uh, a giant Habib. Um, he pretty much just took him to the ground immediately, just started grounding and pounding him the whole entire fight. It wasn't the most entertaining. I mean, he was just mauling this guy. But he got him out in the second round pretty early, split him open with some elbows on the ground. Um, and I mean, it was a great win. It was a great win. Uh, Spivik is definitely a monster on the ground. I mean, be able to control these heavyweights on the ground like that, like that's it's pretty good skill and technique. Um, I, I think... You know, I don't know about him as a prospect. I don't know. It's, it was his first fight I ever saw him do. Um, I don't even know if it was his debut or not. But, you know, he got the victory, and it was a pretty lopsided victory. Um, the second fight was a performance of the night bout by, uh, I, you know, for any mis- anybody out there, if I'm mispronouncing their names, please correct me. Um, I, I do apologize. But Draco Rodriguez lost to Emin Zabia, Zambi, but... Uh, first round knockout is a good fight. Um, I'll be honest, this is the only fight I don't remember, and I think it will really remember. And I think it was because it was just so quick. Um, couple minutes, I think, from my memory, I think he just teed off on him. It, it, it was just pretty quick work. Um, and then we get to the women's flyweight belt or flyweight bout, which was the next one. Uh, Shayna Dobson versus Casey O'Neill. First, I just want to say, Casey O'Neill, I know you have a husband or a boyfriend or whatever, but you are a very attractive lady. Um, and she could break my jaw, and I don't know why, but for some reason that t- just turns me on a little bit more. Um, I just, it's just like, I don't know. I feel like she'd break my jaw, and I'd be like, that's fucking it. One more time, baby. Oh, um, but she did great. I mean, it was Shayna Dobson definitely had some hands. Um, you know, it, definitely not like the best skill wise. Um, they were pretty. E- he- Shayna had a better had heavier hands. Casey was a better like striker. Uh, you could tell she just looked better at striking. And then obviously she gets her to the ground and just kind of does her thing. And then she gets a full mount in the second round and literally, literally for the whole round. And she's just not getting doing the biggest, heaviest shots, but just she has her under control and Shayna can't do anything. And for a minute and a half, she's just covered up and just getting teed off on. So great job, Casey. Um, you know, I'll be interested to see what she does in her next fight. Cause she looks good. Um, she, and I, I mean that like looks good fighting. Like she, she did a pretty good job. Um, I thought, you know, I, I I thought she she looked really for her first professional fight in the UFC. She looked she looked like she'd been there. She didn't look she didn't look nervous. She didn't look anything. Um, she didn't look like she was rattled by the her by the moment. Um, and uh, she went in there and did her work. Next bout was uh, Nate Landwer versus Julian Arosa. Um, this was a first round stoppage KO, uh, like a minute in. You know, I this one was weird for me. I'm kind of hard, and it's probably just me being a contrarian at this point. But so Julian Russell wins. I thought it was an early stoppage. I thought Nate got hit. He got hit hard. He was definitely on his way out. But 
he didn't he it wasn't like it wasn't a hit and then it was like it wasn't like a hit and lights out it was like he got hit he fell he was stung and then the guy comes and he's pretty much gets broken up for the guy who can even land a follow-up shot it was a knee to the jaw it was a big shot don't get me wrong and nate had been taking some fucking licks at this point he had been taking some fucking licks but I thought it was a little earlier. I mean, you've seen fights where these guys get stung and they get stiff as a board, and then all of a sudden they kind of recover pretty quickly, and then the fight's kind of back on. Um, I think Julian Arosa was going to win regardless, so it's probably making my argument seem fickle. Um, but I thought it was a good fight uh, by Julian Arosa. I mean, he was just he – look, he looked good. He looked confident up there. Nate obviously wanted to throw hands, but he prob- – I think he just got caught a couple times, and he just was like, fuck – trying to find himself um the next fight was eddie wyland versus john uh Costanda. and eddie wyland was winning this fight i don't say winning but he was he was pushing the pace and controlling the fight very early on um he got knocked out at the end of the first round but i saw it coming dude i really did um the reason i saw it coming was eddie wyland like the whole time hold on i'm gonna take some coffee real quick and it's no, it's not early. It's one o'clock here. Actually, uh, I wanted to get up at ten thirty. Uh, didn't per usual in Trost fashion, but uh, got in here a little late at the studio, which is right next to my bedroom. So that didn't speak highly of me. But Eddie Wyland, um, <coughs> woo, bless you, thank you. Um, Eddie Wyland, I I like him, and I was rooting for him because he has incredible tattoos. I mean, he's got two sleeves, a massive back tattoo, and just incredible ink, man. It's very good, and I really like it. I like that. So, obviously, you know, I I was rooting for him. But the whole time I was watching, I was like, dude, he's going to get knocked out. He's just – he left – he was leaving his chin way too exposed the whole time. Like, he was – what, I, I could just see it coming, and it was all because John John was doing a lot of like his whole thing was in the beginning was just countering. Wyland was pushing the pace, and he was like, "Oh, I'm gonna get warmed up." Wyland's got heavy hands; he got stung a little early, and then you know he, he but he was doing great. He knew he had the speed to counter, and J- Eddie was leaving his fucking chin open, man. I, I I literally I was sitting there, I was looking at Lindsay, and I was all, "He's gonna get knocked out." Like he's just he's. He's going in, he's swinging, he's keeping his head just completely open. And his chin just sticking out. Sure enough, that's what happened. Uh, this one pissed me off the next flight, fight, the featherweight bout. Jared Gordon, Danny Chavez. Uh, Jared Gordon definitely won. Um, but he came in five pounds overweight. If you come in five pounds overweight, you don't get a win. You don't. You should not get... If you miss fucking weight, you should not get a win. Even if Danny goes in, he goes, yeah, no, I'll still fight. Yeah, he's losing 30% of his purse, Jared Gordon. But he should not be able to get the fucking win. It should be either a no contest or an automatic win for Danny Chavez. And and the 30% should not – I don't know if this is true, so I may be talking a turn, but I think the 30% just gets taken away. It should go to the other fighter. It should go to the other fighter, not just get taken away. And if it does, great. I will take that back, but – if it doesn't, that's what should happen. Um, that being said, Danny Chavez should also get the win. He should also, uh, he should also very much, uh, or or get a no co- contest. That's what it should be. It's bullshit that this guy gets to miss weight, come in with a clear fucking five pound advantage, 
and then win the fight and act like that didn't play a fucking hand in the cards. So then we get to uh, we get to uh, the main card, which I thought was a pretty good card. Um, first fight, you get Andre Ar- uh, Arlovsky versus Tom Aspinall, which was actually a pretty good fight in the beginning. Um, you know, Andre definitely got pissed because he got submitted, rear naked choke. Uh, and I think he was just shocked that that was what was happening. He didn't really know wh- what Tom Aspinall was g- like. They were they were standing up the whole time. Tom's got heavy hands. Tom's quick, very fucking quick for a fucking heavyweight too, man. Like he moves like a light heavyweight, but he's he's got fast hands for a heavyweight man. But they were doing great. Andre Arlovsky and Tom Aspinall were fighting. It was a great fight in the first round. Uh, kind of it was just back and forth. Tom definitely took the first round, but. Um, it was good, and Andre was holding his head in there, and then um, Tom just shook it, sh- uh, shook things up. He went for a t- double leg takedown, and it threw Andre off, choked him out very quickly. I mean, like, transitioned to his back in one step, choked him out in the next step. It was three moves, and the guy was out. And he tapped because he, he had a very, very good position on the neck. So, great fight. Uh, I wish it had gone. I, I almost feel robbed because it was starting out as such a good fight, and Tom ended it so fast. But it was a good fight while it lasted, um, and you could tell it was it was a good fight for for both of them. Um, next fight was a middleweight bout: Phil Hawes versus uh, Nazarene uh, Imavu. So Phil Hobbs definitely won this one, this fight. Whoever gave him a twenty-eight round, a twenty-eight, twenty-eight for a majority decision, fucking bullshit, dude. He, he definitely unanimously won that. Now you want to give him a twenty-nine, twenty-eight? I'm, I'm fair. I'm even with that. You want to give the guy uh, Imavu uh, the third round because he, he was probably another. Four, if the round was another forty-five seconds longer, he would knock Phil Hawes out. So I, I I don't give it a ten eight. I would definitely give it a ten nine. He never knocked him down. Never got it. Never scored a knockdown. Never did. Phil Haas was barely standing. Don't get me wrong. He was barely holding on, but he never got a knockdown. You know, to me, it's not a ten eight round just because you're damaging this fucking guy a lot. That's not how it works. Hold on one second. All right. Well, hey, I'm back, folks. Um, sorry about that. I got uh, somebody maintenance is at the door, and then my girl got me a fucking chain, so I'm all iced out right now. Uh, doing uh, doing some big things. Sounds like maintenance is below me too right now. So if you guys hear that, I apologize. But anyways, I was back to fighting. Back to the my UFC. Um, talks. Um, so after the Phil Hawes fight, we have, um, I ended up, I ended up doing, uh, or next was Olinsky, uh, Olinik versus Chris, uh, Daukus, which was, well, a hard fight to watch. You know, it, for me, watching the UFC is, y- y- you hate to see these older guys who, they're trying to give it one last shot, and Olenek was ranked 10th. He's the, a.k.a. the boa constrictor. He he loves to give – he just likes to submit people to things. It's his calling. Um, and to me, 
it was just hard to watch because Chris, I mean, Chris was just teeing off on him the whole time. And Olenek just got knocked out by Derek Lewis, who we'll talk about here in a second. Um, and it was just, it was really hard to watch. You know, it, it's hard to watch these old guys get beat to shit by these new up and coming young, hungry prospects. And there's just an old guy in there who's like 38 to 42 trying to just trying to get by doing his thing. And, you know, he, he ends up just getting fucking destroyed. It's hard to watch, man. Cause you just look at it and you're like, man, just hang it up, man. Like you get it. It's sort of living. I understand why you want to keep fighting. It's your dream. It's your passion. But it's like, man, you're 43. You just got knocked out for a second time in a row. Like you're, it's just hard. It, it just continually is hard to watch. And, um, you know, so I, I, I hope, I, I think he's okay. You know, he never got actually like, he didn't get like stiff as a board. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I just think, um, I, I, I think that, I, I think that you, you know, it, it's just one of those things where you watch and like, he needs to hang it up. Um, but you know, wasn't, wasn't awful. Um, Charles next fight was a featherweight bout between Derek Minner and Charles Rosa. This is pretty much just a jujitsu match the whole fucking time. And not that it wasn't entertaining. I mean, it was Charles, Charles Rosa was trying to get submissions. They both were, he almost got him twice. I mean, Charles Rosa lost cause he was on his back the most time, but he was trying to get submissions, I guess, but it wasn't it, for most people, like a casual fan it's probably not gonna be very entertaining. It was honestly, it was like watching it. Like it was honestly like watching a jujitsu match, which is was, there wasn't really much to it. Um, uh, it was an easy win for Minner. Um, it sounded like Charles Rose hadn't been back in a while. He, you know, he had tore pecs, so he's out for two years. Kind of what I would expect to see after somebody being out for two years. Um, but, uh, you know, he held his own. He didn't really take a lot of damage. So, um, decent fight. Yeah. Uh, next was the Winton uh, women's bantamweight bout, which was Caitlin Vieira versus uh, Yana Kutska or Kun. Kunsi Skaya. I sorry if I, I mispronounced that, but um, yeah, I I was actually really impressed with this. This was a fight that was won in the last twenty seconds. One hundred percent, it was entertaining. Uh, so the first round went to Vieira. Uh, she kind of just dominated her, and then the second round, just completely different. And Yana was just on top, just feeding her hands, just beating the crap out of her, doing everything she could. And then the third round comes, and then Caitlin, you're like, all right. Uh, there was a huge momentum for Yana. Like what, what, what's going on? Like what's, what are they, uh, what are they going to be hearing? Um, uh, or for the third round, what are we going to be seeing? Not hearing apologies. Um, and then, so we end up watching and third round comes out and then Ketlin just gets on top. starts don't not do anything. She literally spent two minutes in the fourth round, just trying to get on top and like get a full mount position. So she finally gets it, but then Yana kind of escapes Gives up her back, but she's on top of Ketlin. And Yana starts throwing these hands because Ketlin was just looking for a submission. And Yana starts throwing these backwards hammer fists behind her head and just hitting Ketlin in the face. And it was obviously fucking her up. And then I kid you not, about 30 seconds left, Ket uh, Yana is able to turn into Ketlin, mounts her, and then starts throwing hands and elbows, splits her open massively. And this is the last 20 seconds of the fight. 
and this was 100% how Yana won, and deservedly so, because Ketlin was on top. She was in control all the time, but she wasn't doing anything. She wasn't even getting strikes. I think she threw, like, three strikes in the third round. Uh, and Yana just flipped it on her, won. It was a great win. Then we get to the scariest and most entertaining fight of the night, uh, Curtis Blades, Derek Lewis. Uh, Curtis Blades, massive uh, favorite. I'm going to be honest. So Curtis Blades looked nice. Uh, Derek Lewis caught him with an overhand right in the beginning when he was shooting for a takedown, which is pretty much which I thought was a great game plan for Derek Lewis, which was just sit on his back foot, wait for D- Curtis to to um, shoot in, and then you just catch him. And thing about Derek Lewis is he it's almost like Curtis gave away too much of his game plan. He goes, oh, you don't want to wrestle? Well, I'm going to make you wrestle even more. And he goes... And everybody knew. He was like, you overextend. And he even said this, Der- uh, Curtis Blades. He'd be like, what's going to happen is you're going to overextend yourself, and that's when I shoot. Derek Lewis never overextended himself. He basically just sat there, let Curtis on the outside faint his way in. And as soon as he shot, he would just hit him. Wasn't swinging a lot, and he was he would miss. And you could see his haymakers missing. You're like, holy fucking eight, man. It's like, it's honestly looking like a two-by-four coming for a head. Uh, sure. Curtis looked good in the first round. He won. Uh, he won the first round, in my opinion. Um, he looked good going into the second round, even the start of the second round. And then, uh, you know, he he shoots, and when he shoots, Derek Lewis just times it and knows what he's doing. Times it, fucking big uppercut, right to Curtis Blades, uh, right to Curtis Blades' jaw. Lights out immediately, pushes him over, finishes him off with two more hits. The, the last one's really nasty. I mean, it's Derek Lewis, who already has the heaviest hands in the UFC. Full swing, no blocking, nothing, right on his jaw. And Curtis is out like a light. I think he stayed out for a solid minute afterwards, which is scary. Um, you know, I hope he's okay. I'll be honest, this is a, Curtis is a better fighter. He's just a better overall fighter. I know you're saying, like, well, we lost... Yeah, but I mean, like, it was to Derek Lewis, who has just one of the gnarliest right hands in UFC history. And Curtis looked good the whole fight. He won the first round. I mean, he was doing well. I would say the thing, the problem with Curtis is, is I think he tries to rely too much on his wrestling because he doesn't look like he has bad striking, but he looks too much to try to get it to the ground, which is why he got caught, in my opinion. And it's also, for my memory serves me right, I'm sorry if I get this wrong, I'm doing enough memory. It's also how he got knocked out by Nganu for the second time. Was I'm pretty sure he was trying to shoot. Nganu came over the top, it, it hit him in the top of the head with his forearm, which is so much power. That's what stung him. Um, I think he wants to wrestle too much, and he's a big dude, and these guys all have knockout power. So why he doesn't want to stand up more and then rely on his wrestling when he's when he can is a bit weird to me because he was pretty much the whole fight looking to get it to the ground. Um, I just don't think that's going to – I think you got to be more than one-dimensional like that, um, not, which is hard to say because Derek Lewis is a pretty fucking one-dimensional guy. But, um, you know, it was just one of those things. You just got caught. That's the, that's the name of the sport. You can get you get caught. You have, you know, you have a good time or you, you're looking good the whole fight, and then all of a sudden you just mess up once. Lights out. Done. Um a lot of people were talking shit about Herb Dean, too, which was kind of fucking bullshit. Like, the man was on the other side of the ring. He came quickly, dude. The guy, Derek Lewis only got two, only got two hits in afterwards, and he was right there. I mean, he was right there, Herb Dean, and he got over there quick. Anybody talking shit about Herb Dean, in my opinion, they just didn't like what they saw, and so they're looking for someone to blame for the way that they feel. And that's simply what it is. 
you know, the, it was something that was very violent and disturbing to a lot of people. And they didn't like that. And they ended up looking for something to blame, someone to blame. They tried to blame Derek Lewis. Oh, you knew he was out. It's fucking sport, dude. You get off till the ref. You do. There are some guys here. here there are some guys who have the ability to hit somebody and then know that that guy's knocked out and they don't do anything. But you know what they're doing? They're not doing it for the sake of that person's health. They're not. So don't be like, oh, well, the other people can do it. They're not doing it because that guy, they're like, oh, I'm helping his health. There might be a secondary part of that. But the main thing is because they're showing off. They're like, it's a cocky moment to be able to, you starch somebody. They then go down and then you just put your fists in the air and no, you knocked them out. It's not because you're like, oh, I'm worried about their health. It's because you're showing off. And I don't blame it. So it sounds like I'm talking shit about people who are doing that. What I'm doing is I'm talking shit about the people who try to use them as an example. They're not doing that for the person's health. They're doing it because they just had a fucking walk off KO and they're they're getting the hype it. They're they're hyping it up even more, which is smart on their part. So can't blame Derek Lewis in this. So then they look and they turn their guns to Herb Dean, the ref, acting like he was there slow. How do you allow Curtis Blaze to get hit like that? Because it's a fucking sport. Herb Dean that got there. He got, he got there as quick as he could, man. He did nothing wrong. He did great. Herb, if you somehow ever find this clip, I love you. You're a great ref. You did great. You, no, you did nothing wrong, man. I would love to even talk to you one day. Um, yeah, I, 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 I personally um, thought it was a great fight. I'm excited for um, the bouts this week. I don't really know much about the main eventer. Um, I'm not even going to attempt to say his name, but I do know Gane. Um, he, uh, he's, he's good, man. He, he's, a, he's like, um, gosh, what's his name? I just said his name too, you guys. Um, I apologize. One second. Aspinall. I think that's what it was. Yeah. He he kind of he kind of reminds me of Aspinall that he's got he's got he, Gane has um got very very quick hands he's for a heavyweight you're like damn he moves he moves like just he just moves like an athlete um so scary guy um uh, it's gonna be a good fight let's see I want to see what the card is see if anybody else on there stands out that I want to talk about Angela Hill Ashley Yoder I love Ashley Yoder I think she's so pretty um. Not I, when I say not a very good fighter, I think she's very one-dimensional. She's jujitsu only. She can't strike. She's like eight and six, about to be eight and seven probably. Um, but could kill me. I mean, could choke me out and feed me my limbs. Um, but it'll be an interesting bout. That'll be that'll be for sure. Uh, the Cyril, the Cyril Gane one in Rosenstirk. Stewart, it'll be from what it sounds like it'll be a pretty good fight um to move over you know I, the other sport that i like that's kind of obscure um big juventus fan greatest greatest player in the world ronaldo um you know i'm gonna be i'm gonna be very frank and honest um i don't think Juventus is good enough for Ronaldo. And it sounds like I'm just giving an excuse to Ronaldo, but I feel like they rely too much on Ronaldo. And sometimes it seems like they're relying on him because they don't want to upset him, which is stupid. Like, Ronaldo loves to score, but he likes to win more. 
So if you guys won three nothing and he didn't even fucking get a goal or even come close to a goal, he's not gonna be upset. Like he wants that. He wants to win more than he cares about his goals. Always and will forever. He wants to win Champions League. And I don't think they're gonna win Champions League. They just lost to Porto. It was a huge away goal for them. So it doesn't it doesn't necessarily kill their Champions League dreams. They could still on the next leg. If they win one nothing, they win. So all they got to do right now is focus on getting a goal, sh- pitching a shutout, and getting at least one goal. Ideally, you want to see them get three because if they get three, then it curves if uh, Porto scores. Um, and if, uh, to be honest, what what always sucks about one away goal is if the other team gets two, you're fucked. You're just fucked. Um, but. You know, I, I, I think they had the ability to, um, and both their goals were bang-bang plays. One of them was a fluke. One of them was a bang-bang play, and it w- they did well. I'm not going to take anything away from them. Um, but here's what I would say as far as what I think they're going to be doing this year. I don't know that they'll win. I don't think they're going to win Serie A. I think that they're going to probably get second. I think there's just too many – there are too many points – there's only 13 games left, or no, there's 15 games left, and they're like 11 points off. They win today, which they're winning right now. Um, they're actually eight points off. It's just a hard. It's just hard to overcome, especially in ho- in soccer where you can where you can get a point for tying. So you're, and when you're a top flight team within your league, like there's only like three or four teams that can beat you. Um, like really beat you, not tie, but like beat you. Anybody can tie with them and do a draw, but to beat you, beat you, it's going to be a little hard. I think they're just too far behind. They could, you never know, um, but I don't see it. Uh, it's really, Juventus has been really weird for me because I feel like they have, this year, they have games where they look unbelievable. And they look, you're like, all right, man, they're a scary team. And then it's like, they'll have like three games in a row like that. And you're like, dude, they're getting it together. And then it's like, then they'll have three games in a row where, like against Porto, I mean, they had no ball control. They couldn't pass. They were overpassing. Um, they not, they just were so out of sync. And you're like, is this Juventus B squad? Like, what the fuck is going on here? Why are they so bad? Um, anyways, it, just kind of a, just kind of a, a, a little... I don't know. A little tidbit on that. I'm just kind of, I guess I'm just kind of frustrated with it, but um, yeah. Well, I'm excited. I'm going to probably end it here. Kind of lost some momentum when, uh, with the the maintenance thing, but I got a good episode. I got about 45 minutes, so I'm actually pretty excited. My first solo pod, please let me know what you guys think. I got some more coming your way. I got two episodes stored up, so I will be releasing those probably this week. Um, Any other news? Going to be starting some comedy soon here. Hopefully, I got to look into some open mics. Hopefully, if anybody in Dallas sees me, they like it and they watch my show. Um. Other than that, nothing else. Uh, nothing else to add. Uh, sorry, this was a, this was a bit of a ranty, ranty episode. Um, but yeah, uh, all right. I'll end it with that. You guys have a great rest of your day. Um, be sure to check out my my cousin's new album, uh, Lunar uh, Nine Four Nine. His that's his uh, that's his stage name. 
Uh, check out his new album, Pablo 2020, my boy, as everybody knows. He's my fucking audio mentor, my fucking homie. He's got some great shit. He's, check him out as well. Please do come. Uh, do come in. Uh, or no, I'm sorry. I'm trying to think of what I want to say because I'm thinking so much about what I want to say. I'm not even knowing what I want to say. Um, check out his new music. He does have a new album. He said he's working on a new albums. Me coming out. Um, and I'm just saying, man, get on these two right now because they're going to blow up. Um, they absolutely are. Other than that, you guys all have a great weekend. Um, weekday, actually. Uh, have a great week. God damn it. <laughs> God damn it, Trost. All right. Y'all have a good one. I, I'll learn how to do a better sign-off sooner or later. Have a good one.